This has been a very stressful week for all of us. With the spreading of the coronavirus, we witnessed the rodeo shutting down, the NBA suspending the rest of the season, and the NCAA basketball tournament being canceled. All the school district closing down and the stock market tanking. There is great fear and anxiety before us. We wonder what is going to happen next. Many are scrambling to buy necessity like sanitizer, masks, rice, toilet tissue, and clean water. We all want control, but through this breakout, we realize that there are many things that are out of our control. The only person that is in control is our Savior, God. During this uncertain time, we can turn to our solid rock where we can find security. We need wisdom from above to do those things that are within our control. Those things that are out of our control, we need to trust the Lord. We have been studying the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom. We will study Proverbs chapter 9 this morning, which is a hinge chapter that summarizes the first eight chapters and prepares the way for the second part of the book of Proverbs. Let us look at the structure of this chapter. It is uh, divided into three paragraphs. The first paragraph and the third paragraph mirrors one another, each with an invitation. We have the opportunity to choose which invitation that we want to accept. It is an either-or decision. There is no third option for every choice that we make. There are consequences that are tied to it. We see that explain in the middle paragraph. Our choice will determine what kind of life we will have. Therefore, let us choose wisely. There are two invitations to this chapter. There's the wisdom invitation and the follies invitation. Let us look at the wisdom invitation as recorded in the first six verses. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has, she has hewed out this seven pillar. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maize, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come in here. She say to them, Who lack judgment? Come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple way and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. So here we see the house that wisdom has built is a pretty large and spacious place with seven pillars, which is an unusual grand house. See, wisdom has also prepared a lavish 
feasts with meat and wine. See, it is only a special, on special occasion where meat was served. The phrase mix her wine means to add in spices to make the wine even better. Here we see a very extraordinary banquet being prepared. Wisdom also sends out her maids to invite everyone to come to this feast. They go to the highest point of the city where people far and near can hear the call. She's proactive in making sure everyone knows that this is an open invitation. As we look at verse 4, wisdom is targeting a specific group of people to come, namely the simple. Well, who are the simple? Well, as we look at verse 4, it says, Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment. So right off the bat, we see that the simple person is one who lacks judgment. In other words, he's naive or gullible. He tends to believe anything and blindly stumble through life without considering their consequences. He thinks he knows it all, but actually he's not aware of how others are taking advantage of him. Therefore, he is susceptible to traps of seduction because he lacks discernment. They are the most needed to receive wisdom. Well, he's like a high school student who laughs at his parents' instruction and ignores it. The good news is that the simple can obtain wisdom if they pursue it. Wisdom is calling out to the simple to come to the feast in her house. In verse 6, wisdom gives specific instructions to life. It says, Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. I like how this verse is translated in the Living Bible. It says, Leave behind your foolishness and begin to live. Learn how to be wise. She basically is saying, turn away from your foolish practice and repent. Come to my banquet and I'll teach you to be wise and give you true life. The simple must first recognize that his path will get him nowhere. He must humble himself and reach out to get help. Now, this reminds me of Levi uh, who was a tax collector. Jesus invited him to join him. Although Levi had all the resources everyone envies after, he was missing something. And when Jesus invited him to come, he did not hesitate to accept his invitation. He humbled himself, recognizing that he was missing something in life and that Jesus can help him. The third paragraph records the folly's invitation, which has similarities with the wisdom invitation. They both are targeting the simple and are calling from the highest point of the city. However, there are many differences. Well, let's read verses 13 to 17. 
The woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house, on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, "Stolen water is sweet; food eaten in secret is delicious." The description for folly here is similar to the adulteress recorded in Proverbs chapter seven, verse eleven, where it says, "Folly is loud, careless, and seductive." Lady Folly is sitting, pursuing those who pass by like a prostitute. These are men that are passing by, mind their own business. Folly is calling out to them. Instead of meat and wine, Lady Folly offers stolen water and food in in secret. You see, stolen water looks back to Proverbs chapter five, verses fifteen to eighteen. Where sensual relations are described as drinking of water, now food eaten in secret is literally bread of secrecy. It refers to temptation to easy money, as recorded in、uh, Proverbs one, chapter one, verses eleven to fourteen, as well as chapter four, verses fourteen to seventeen. So folly will entice us to sexual sin and to easy gain. Folly is making glamorous promises that cannot come true. There are two big weaknesses among us: that is sexual pleasure and greed. It is very addictive. Once we get a taste of it, we want to go back for more. Satan has used these two means to enslave many. Pornography has taken hold of so many people. Greed has destroyed so many people. Broken relationship take place. It traps us, and we do not seem to have a way out. It is attractive on the outside, but it gives much pleasure initially. But there are dreadful consequences afterward. We have a choice to make: we can accept the invitation of wisdom or the invitation of folly. Whichever way we choose, there are great consequences. May we choose carefully. It seems to be a no-brainer as to which way we should go. But in reality, there is a tug of war going within us because we are attracted to sin. That is our human nature. We are born with a bias toward folly. Deep inside, our hearts are corrupt. That is why obvious choices are difficult to make. Therefore, knowing the right thing to do is not enough. It is so important. That we take a close look in the mirror and see who we are, understand our shortcoming. We are a mess deep inside, and we need help from God. Lord willing, as we understand the consequences that go along with the choice of accepting the wisdom 
invitation or the Father's invitation, it will persuade us to make the right choice. Let us look at verses 7 to 12 as we examine the third section of this passage where we have to choose which consequences to accept. It describes the consequences of accepting wisdom or folly. Those who heed wisdom learn from rebuke, add to their knowledge, and enjoy life. But those who heed to folly is not open to correction. As a result, they will suffer. From verses 7 to 9, Another two major characters are introduced here, namely the mocker and the wise man. The mocker basically has accepted the invitation of folly, and the wise man has accepted the invitation of wisdom. Let us read verses 7 to 9. For you to get some description about these two characters. Verse 7. It says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. But do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. A mocker here is not only foolish and proud, but he really does not want anything to do with wisdom or instruction. He thinks he knows it all and does not want to be corrected. In a matter of fact, he will hate you for trying to correct him. He is close-minded and not willing to listen. He deliberately brings stripes. Therefore, people do not want to Hang around with them. A mocker is probably very insecure. He tends to hide that insecurity by being arrogant and by mocking others. He just wants some attention. But what he really needs is the Lord. He needs a complete heart transplant. He's an angry person and is resentful of others. Now both the simple and the mocker or deceiving themselves, thinking that they know more than they really know. They are not aware of who they are. In contrast to the mocker is the wise man. What is he like? He is an open, positive attitude toward God. At the center of a wise man is his heart for God. He fears the Lord and embraces God's wisdom. He's teachable and willing to learn and to be corrected. A wise person has a proper view of who he is, as well as who God is. He knows that he is inadequate and welcomes wisdom. He has, we have introduced three characters in this chapter. A simple man, a mocker, and a wise man. Who are you most like? It is crucial that we understand who we are and who God is. We're not as smart as we think. We might be naive and stubborn. We might not want to be corrected. 
we might be a pain in the neck to others. Basically, we're sinners. But God loves us in spite of our messiness. We went, he went to the cross to pay the penalty of sin on our behalf. Three days later, God raised him from the dead, showing that God has accepted his payment for us. We desperately need to be saved. And when we put our faith in him, then we become a child of God. He has not only offered us eternal life, but also abundant life. God wants to transform us. But many times we do not allow him to he do not allow him even though we claim to put our trust in him. May we realize that we are still weak and we need God to give us wisdom. God's given us a manual for life in the Bible to show us how we can have a meaningful relationship with God as well as with our neighbors. God, who is a source of wisdom, can guide our lives so that we can enjoy it fully. But before we can receive this wisdom from above, we need to fear the Lord. Now that leads us to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. And it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, in order to receive wisdom, we are to fear God. Well, what does it mean to fear the Lord? To fear the Lord means to be at all of God or to revere God. It is recognizing God's awesomeness. As a result, we submit and obey Him. This requires for us coming up close to Him and be aware of His presence. He's active in our life? Do we recognize how He has blessed us? Do we see how He has provided and protected us? And do we experience how He has answered our prayer? Nothing happens by chance. Too often, we only know about God, but really do not know God or value God for who He is. We do not notice what He is doing in our life. I challenge you each day to write down a God hunt. May we search out how God is working in our lives. May we see how big God is and how small we really are. The more we understand and value God, the more we will fear the Lord. Then in times of uncertainties, we can find comfort and assurance in Him, because He has authority over all things. We do not need to fear because He watches over us and loves us. Now, we are free to make choices, but there are consequences that goes along with the choices that we make. Each decision will lead us into a different path. And when we choose to accept the invitation from Lady Wisdom, we choose life. And in order to experience life, we need to fear God. Now, in verse 11, God promises that our life will be extended. So let me read verse 11. For through me, or wisdom, your ways will be many, and your years will be added 
to your life. Well, what does that mean? Is that we will live less stressful life and will enjoy life more. God wants us to have not only eternal life, but also abundant life. To enjoy an abundant life, one needs to walk in wisdom. We see this clearly in verse 12. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. The wise person embraces wisdom. As a result, he gains reward. He's willing to learn from his mistake as well as the mistakes of others. He's willing to be corrected. However, we see there are different consequences to the decisions that mockers make who follows folly. Mockers will suffer because they are stubborn and not willing to be corrected. They're not willing to accept that he needs help. We can choose to accept the invitation of wisdom or we can choose to accept the invitation of folly. There are definite different consequences. We choose life by choosing to fear God. But we choose death by choosing folly. Let us read verse 18 and see what folly will lead us. In verse 18, But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. See, folly will deceive us to embrace the desires and pleasures in our life. She seduces her victims by giving them half-truths. Yes, it will give pleasure, but it is only temporary. Eventually, it will lead to destruction. We will be enslaved by our passions and pleasure. Lady Folly wants to lure us into her house. Now this reminds me of what was written in Proverbs chapter 7, which gives the same parallel theme. In Proverbs 7, 7, we see Lady Folly see the simple and lures him in. Let me read it to you. It says in verse 7, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacks judgment. He was going down the street near her corner, uh, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight. As the day was fading, as the night of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stays at home. I'd like to jump down to chapter 7, verse 21 and 22. Let me read that to you, beginning verse 21. With persuasive words, she led her astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer uh, stepping into a noose. One last verse I'd like to read in this chapter, in chapter 7, uh, verses 25 to um, 27. It says, verse 25, 
Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her path. Many are the victims she had brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chamber of death. Here we see Lady Folly will lead us to a path of death. She knows our desire and will tempt us by luring us to her through deception and manipulation. Indeed, it is pleasurable and it feels good, but we do not, if we do not, if we are not careful, it will enslave us. We will be eternally separated from God. What appears to be very attractive on the outside can lead us to death. Now, in conclusion, may we see how messy we really are. We are weak, and we're not that smart. We all have all kinds of issues. The bottom line is that we need the Lord to save us and to guide us with wisdom. And wisdom and folly are extending invitation to their homes for feasts. Be careful where you choose to go because there are great consequences. Wisdom will lead to life and folly will lead to death. But only those who fear the Lord will make the right decision.